Hey, good evening. Yeah. Welcome to the show. It is two nah, hours nah, nah, tonight nah. because I'm covering for Vinny, who seems to enjoy the good life and goes away nah, quite nah, often. Nah, 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 nah. I don't think he's somewhere warm, actually. I think he went skiing somewhere. Um, so thanks for tuning in on this nah, nah, miserable, nah, nah. cold evening. We will do our best to keep you warm with belly laughs and giggles and ha-ha-has. I say we because I have a guest co-host with me tonight for the two hours. Um, I mean, is that too loud for you? Because no, there's a I volume thing. Oh, there's a volume adjustment oh, okay. if you want. Okay. Okay. Cool. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Brooke Perrin is here with me. She's a comedian, a writer, actress. I was oh, just I going through that. your resume uh, before we came <laughs> on air. And uh, I told her she could wear headphones if she wanted to look really very very dj-esque basically i always want to look dj-esque yeah um so that's why i wear just headphones on stage usually and they're not, it's usually not even plugged into anything is no it? yeah i'm the stand-up comedian with dj headphones <laughs> it's really cool and it's not it's an untapped market so how long have you been doing comedy oh man um stand-up just over seven years yeah and improv etc probably like 10 Oh, wow. Yeah, That's a man. a long time. Yeah. I've been in the game a long time. You've been in the biz. You're um, like a veteran. Yeah. Except for, like, I'm, I'm still pretty young. Still <laughs> you are very young. look like a baby. <laughs> I'm 27. Um, but you know what? Own it. Flaunt what you got. That's what... So you perform said. quite... I feel like you you're, you perform at different venues quite often. I, I feel like... I follow you on Twitter, yeah. so I, I see how busy you are. I follow you in real life, too. I <laughs> outside your door sometimes and I'm kidding. breathe heavily <laughs> yeah outside of your bedroom window um yeah I, i'm typically at comedy bar there's a lot happening at comedy bar mm -hmm. don't know if you've been but it's a great i venue. haven't been in a while but yeah. i know it's a great spot i know it's a lot great. of pe great people perform there yeah i run a show there um called chuckle co and it's like every wednesday at 9 30 but yeah it's uh that's kind of my home base i'd say mm -hmm. i'm not a yuck yucks comedian because that's you just have to be yuck yucks and Right. Um, can't really perform elsewhere, but yeah. Do you uh, travel a bit for comedy? A little bit. I'm doing less of that now because I'm writing. But mm -hmm. um, but when I lived in Calgary, which is where I'm from, I, I did a lot of Western tours and stuff. And you act as well? Yeah, it's like not a big deal, but I'm also an actress. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Seen in things like? Um, like Kit Kat commercials. Were you in a Kit Kat commercial? I, I don't was. remember this one. Yeah, man. I ate like 87 Kit Kat bars <laughs> and then I felt sick. But the other guy who was in it wasn't using the spit bucket. So I'm like, you just have to get through this. <laughs> Do not use the spit bucket. Do not just. be a diva. So you, you actually ate a bunch of Kit Kat bars during the commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. And um, like a million takes. <laughs> yeah, like they would, what happens is you take a bite and then they're like, okay, we have to make it look good again. So they hand you a brand new piece and you right. just keep eating until you want to die. Because part of, I, th <laughs> I feel like for the first two hours, it sounds joyous. Oh, absolutely. Because you're like, uh, someone keeps handing me perfect Kit Kat bars and I get to eat them. Yeah. And Kit Kat is like, I'd say my favorite chocolate bar. Really? I'm going to be That's very like controversial. <laughs> yeah. For you, in for a way. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, so it would just eat all of the food until you want to explode. And then I was on like match game and stuff. I don't know. You've done, you've done, you've done things. I've been there. You've been around. I've seen things. You've seen things. <laughs> uh, you can also, if you want to, uh, 
if you want to stream the show, you can online. And you can also, we have webcams if you want to watch. That's talk horrifying. <laughs> that is so <laughs> scary. Where I forgot to tell you, there are webcams in here. <laughs> And people can watch online if they want. Although Elliot, who is my technical producer, I don't know how to control the camera, so I never know what camera is on or or what people at home see. But I hey, tell I don't know people, how to use them either. That's great. We are really, <laughs> yeah. you know what? We're off to a good start. The first, the hey, first been very ten minutes. Trained, I'm sorry. The first ten minutes of the show, we're off to a good start. It can only get better from here. Um, <laughs> coming up on the show, just let people know what's coming up later on. Uh, do you know anything about whiskey, Amanda? I know nothing except for that it makes me sort of angry. So get ready. Really? Okay, because we're going to do a little whiskey tasting later on. Uh, Mark Bylock wrote a best-selling book called The Whiskey Cabinet. He's going to come in and do a bit of a like a whiskey 101 for us. Basically, he's going to tell us enough, I think, to make us sound really smart. I'm so pumped to sound smart for once in my life. And it's going to be about whiskey. So he's going to tell us what we need to know. I guess how to read it. I don't know much about it, but I kind of, when people talk about it, I wish I could participate in the conversation, but I can't. Yeah. So I just feel like if I can at least fake the knowledge and ask one or two questions that sound like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. What kind of cask was that aged in? I don't even know if that's a real question. That's a really good question. I would have believed you. I just See? usually like twirl it around in the glass and be like, oh, wow, they're looking at me. Take it all in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did read that you're not supposed to you're not supposed to twirl whiskey the way you do wine. Oh, so they God. are looking at you and so they're like, this girl <laughs> does not know what she's doing. <laughs> oh, my God. Who what lets me out paper? in public? So uh, we will. And if you have questions, you can always text in as well. 71010 or call us once uh, Marcus here. He'll be on. He'll be here at about nine o'clock. And uh, also coming up on the show, Chef. Christine Cushing, which I think a lot of people might know her. She's the like resident chef on the Marilyn Dennis show. She's done a lot of things uh, in the country, but she also has, I didn't realize this, her own line of olive oils. She's been growing olives and producing olive oil for 10 years. And uh, I kind of want to get the breakdown on whether or not I am, if my money is well spent or if I'm throwing my money away. Because sometimes I look at this bottle of olive oil at $6 and there's another one that's next to it that's 16 And I'll be like, well, obviously the $16 one is better. Yeah, I do the same thing. So. And like. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> no, I don't either. So Christine's going to join us and uh, tell us kind of what we need to know about olive oil. Also, I've heard that the price of olive oil might double in the next year. So maybe we should start hoarding it or grow olives. I won't be doing that, but maybe I'll hoard it. <laughs> All right. I have natural hoarding tendencies as well. Um, coming up as well, I want to talk about Fifty Shades of Grey because I haven't read the books and I don't know that I'll go see the movie. Amanda, you? Okay. I ordered it in the mail because I was too embarrassed. You ordered the book? Yeah, for sure. Because I wanted to see what everyone was talking about because I need to stay relevant. And also, um, I have a, a crush on Jamie Dornan, who plays Christian Grey in see, the movie. I've never seen him before. Where, oh, man. Who is he? He's in The Fall, which is a BBC show with Gillian Anderson, okay. a.k.a. Scully, who's so oh, hot yeah. now. And they in the show, they're just like, she needs a hobby. How about swimming? And so she'll just like randomly swim sometimes to show off her body, which is great. Everyone loves it. But he is the he's the killer, and it's great. And I'm not oh. giving anything away, you know, right away. Right. Um. But he's it's so weird because the first couple episodes, you're like, I I I think he's handsome, but also he's terrifying. <laughs> so scary handsome. Yeah. Okay. So Definitely. I'd never heard of him before. I mean, I knew people knew of him. I just yeah. didn't know on what. Um. So you order the book. 
Yeah. Did you, when, when are you going to get it? Do you so know? I, I got it. Oh, you did? Today I started reading it. I think I've read like two two chapters or a chapter and a half. It's pretty cheesy so far. Mm-hmm. Um, just waiting for the like the sex times. It's supposed to be like really hot and steamy. Yeah, for sure. That's what I ordered it for. I didn't yeah. order it for, <laughs> for any other reason. You're like, I didn't order for this cheesy stuff in the first few <laughs> no, chapters. I don't need setup, man. Just get to it. You know what I did not know and... Uh, if anyone out there has seen the movie or is planning to, please text in and tell us about it, 71010. You can also call in 416-872-1010 or on your cell phone, star 8255, that's star talk on your cell phone. Uh, you can enlighten Amanda and I about the movie and tell us if it's worth going to see because apparently it like broke box office records this weekend. I think I'm just going to go and wear sunglasses and like hope no one recognizes me. But it'll be full of people you know. Because I bet. <laughs> I know all the perverts in town. <laughs> you I know everyone. So <laughs> um, I also did not, I was talking about it with someone just this weekend and I didn't know, this is how out of the loop I am. I didn't know it's three books. I thought it was one book. Yeah. Someone said, oh, well, they're going to make Three movies. I'm like, why would they make three movies off a book? And they said, no, there's three books. It's like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Except for with, like, condoms. <laughs> Do they wear them? With whips? Yeah, with whips. It's with whips. Um, one whip to rule them all. So three books. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to buy the other two? Um, it depends if I like the first one, I think. You probably will. You know what? Knowing me and my <laughs> pervert tendencies, I will. I'm already pre-ordering them. Who am I kidding? <laughs> They're already on they're their already, way. They're on the way. So again, text us uh, 71010 if you've uh, seen the movie or if you're planning to. We'd like to talk to you about that. And uh, you can always call in during the show, 416-872-1010. So Amanda's going to stick around with me until 10 p.m. If you want to catch up on a podcast of the show that you've missed, you can find it in iTunes. You can also go on to my website where the podcasts are. It's paychen.com. And uh, we're going to have lots of good times coming up in the next two hours. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio. News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm Pay Chen here until 10 p.m. covering for Vinny White, who I believe is off on a skiing holiday. Um, My guest co-host this evening is Amanda Brooke Perrin, who is a Comedian, a writer, an actress. You're like, I was going to say, you're like the EGOT of the (laughs) (laughs) entertainment world. Can we talk about your amazing intro music? I wish I had like amazing (laughs) intro music every time I got on stage. This is, well, you can thank Elliot because he chooses the music. I'll leave it up to him. Sometimes he plays these weird slow jams though. And Sometimes they disappoint you greatly, Pay. It's I true. Just, sometimes <laughs> I'm like, I call him out on air. I'm like, I don't know what that was. What do you play? Like emo? No, I play like uh, Ghostface Killer. I've played just like hip hop stuff. Oh my God. Some of the stuff it does not sound like hip hop. It's like, it was like a pan flute or something once. I'm like, I you're, t- I- you're talking about Underwater from the Ghostface Killer record Fish Scale. And uh, yeah, the production. Hip hop is a wide world, Pay. There's a lot There's a lot to it. There's a lot happening out there's there. There's a lot I don't know. Did you hear the new Drake album? No. I haven't heard it either. Elliot, did you listen to it? I. You know what's funny? I shamefully know very little about this Drake person. I know he's... Uh, I know he's famous and I know he's from here, but I don't know a lot of his songs, weirdly. But you would know the the popular ones, probably. Start right? from you the bottom. Them. I heard that in London, England for the first time, weirdly enough, and I didn't even realize it was him. I don't think I knew he had a new album. 
Yeah, yeah. he just dropped re- it like Beyonce. Like he didn't Online-ish? tell anyone. Yeah, yeah. Like surprise? He, yeah. Like two nights ago. Oh, so out of the loop. I don't know who, who he, think he, he thinks he is. Pretending to be Beyonce up in this bitch. He's Am like, I, I can do this. Well, you just you can do it. I said it twice. <laughs> um, yeah, man. You can't just do that and then, well, it's fine. He's well, Drake. I think Drake is popular enough. I like could, Drake. right? I'm not going to lie about it. I like his beats. <laughs> I like his I'm like, flies. You knew that he, had a, he just dropped a new album. <laughs> um, we were talking just before the break about Fifty Shades of Grey. Yes. And whether, I, I would like to know if anyone uh, listening has gone to see it or is planning to go see it. Uh, Justine Lakovich, who is uh, one of our reporters here, she went to the preview of the movie earlier this week and uh, had a chat with some people as they were leaving the theater. So let's take a listen and see if this changes our mind. It was hot in there. Not surprising, with about 500 people crammed into a packed theater. It was intense. All the sex, nudity. My friend and I were joking um, that the female lead, that her breast should have got, like, an award for, like, Best Supporting Actress. It is Fifty Shades of Grey, after all, and with all those strangers around. Yeah, it was awkward, just a bit. Maybe especially with Donna sitting there. She came along with her grown granddaughter, Cassandra. The acting is awesome. Grandma doesn't agree. Very surprised. I mean, the amount of nudity, explicitness, right? I was expecting more. (laughs) Wait, what? That was mamby-pamby, the way he was treating her. Not enough roughness for Grandma and the male lead, Jamie Dornan, the model, ripped abs. Picked a male with a better body to start with. Really? You don't think he had a good body? Nah. Nah. No. Sorry, Grandma, your granddaughter doesn't agree. She's upset about something else. We only seen his bum once. Now, there were men in the theater as well. I was actually pleasantly surprised. Elon came with his wife. It was a little more graphic than I anticipated anticipated it to be. See, I'm tongue-tied, I can't even say. And that's when wife Lisa pushed him out the door. We gotta go home. (laughs) At the Scotiabank Theater, Justine Lovkovich, News Talk 1010. So this movie had a lot of um, criticism before it even came out because people were like, oh, come on, really? It's just this like hot and steamy book. It's going to be this movie. And who are these people? But but it had enough, I guess, interest that it's projected to make over $90 million this weekend. So it's breaking box office records. Apparently, it's um, Fifty Shades of Grey will be the record holder for, and this is in the States, for the best President's Day opening weekend of all time. What does it say about us? Thanks a lot, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Happy day, President. Also, I want to know how Lisa's doing after that movie, pushing her boyfriend out of the theater. We got to go. We got to go. It's time to go home. It's happening. It's happening. (laughs) I'm transforming. I like it. I love the grandma who's like, somebody with a better body um so here's the thing whether or not you're you're going to go see the movie i i probably won't i'm not super interested but um and i didn't read the book i'm not i don't think that matters but <laughs> like, i don't think that the two are have to so. be related no definitely um not. but you may have heard that in the states uh, um amc theaters they had to ask people not to bring props to the theater and I thought that was so weird but I guess it is quite common when people are fans of a movie they might dress up like their favorite character or they bring props so the theaters actually had to release a statement and ask people not to bring weapons 
real or fake, which I feel like is just a giving, but you have <laughs> yeah. to tell people, do not bring real, real or fake weapons. Do not bring props or costumes that would make guests uncomfortable. I'm like, now I am intrigued about this movie. I want to know so badly what people started to bring. Like, and what they were disappointed that they couldn't bring. You well, know they what started mean? to, like, what they maybe they wore and they had in their personal. And then someone's like, I'm sorry, ma'am, you have to leave that out here. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that's too bad. Like handcuffs, even. Yeah, like handcuffs. And speaking of um, the story that came out of the UK, which I'm sure would happen in North America uh, just as often. Um, but in the UK, it, uh, in London, actually, fire officials said they were expecting an increase of calls, 911 calls, basically, once the movie was released, once Fifty Shades of Grey was released, because they found that when the book was, the books were released, they saw a spike in emergency calls uh, involving people stuck in compromising situations. So people who got stuck in handcuffs, for example, then couldn't get them out, couldn't get out of them, and were calling 911. So they're actually like, it. it's so bad that the fire department in London, England, is basically um, launched like a campaign, like an educational campaign for residents saying like, you know, please don't, call us with your silly uh, problems and please don't lose the key to your handcuffs and please basically play safe. That's what they're saying. It's like, instead of like, don't play with fire, it's like, don't play with these props that you're, you don't know about because you're calling 911 and you're tying up valuable resources. Um, so they had several cases of people trapped in handcuffs. They also had, they listed a couple of notable incidents. A man, and then I don't know if this was had anything to do with the book, but a man had placed his penis in a toaster <laughs> And another had gotten his stuck in a vacuum. I just like real quick want to know what was so <laughs> sexy about putting a penis in a toaster. Just like what? How? I really wish I could just see the moments leading up to that. Yeah. <laughs> like, baby, you're not going to believe what <laughs> what I got for us. Um, That's our toaster. That's <laughs> Please our toaster. put that down. What are you doing? What are you doing? And did he press down on it? Like, well, before... I don't know. I mean, he you got it think. stuck. It got stuck. Because it. I feel like I don't I like I'm I'm speechless. But would you want to press down on it? No. It'd but be why very would painful. you even put it in in the first place? I don't know? know what you're trying. I don't know what he was trying to prove. But I, I mean, but you jammed it in there enough that it got stuck. That's and like, do you know what's scary about that? That's probably definitely not the first time that's happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's probably that's isn't. happened multiple times. And if it hadn't gotten stuck, they would have made the family's toast with it the next morning. Yeah, that's you, also just as disturbing. I met something very exciting for breakfast. It's just my penis. <laughs> it's just that. And uh, honey, uh, we should we should call nine one one. Yeah, please call the police. Also, I would rather die than have the police show up to find my husband's penis in a toaster. Would you take a photo for social media, just maybe to commemorate the? Occasion? I would Instagram that. I would Facebook that. I would put it on Twitter. <laughs> so would I. I would put it on LinkedIn. I don't care. <laughs> I don't do job not qualifications. Care. Job qualifications. My husband's penis in a toaster. Yeah, very good at taking photos. <laughs> um, and I, you know what? After the break, I also want to talk about. You know, what? I think I should call it like fired or rehired. I found these two stories this week about people who lost their jobs over social media, and I feel like this is a different time. Amanda, you are young. You've probably only known a life with social media. Yeah, like everything you you put on there, and and when I first started working. Social media didn't exist. Facebook didn't exist. 
Twitter, all of those things. Um, but now people are like, people do things like they call in sick for their jobs, so then post photos of them out partying. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh, you're you're just dumb. That's really dumb. Um, but uh, so I found these two stories of these two people who who lost their jobs uh, for something they posted and uh, we'll talk about that after the break and just see if you sympathize with them or not. maybe we should take sides and then we can Ooh. like debate it i'm into it okay maybe we'll do that so my guest co-host tonight is uh is amanda brooke perrin she is a comedian actress and writer here in toronto and they can find you where they can find you on twitter yeah follow me on twitter at brooke perrin Mm-hmm. And uh, my Chuckle Co. show happens every Wednesday at the Comedy Bar at 9.30. And I co-host it with a bunch of dorks. It, That's great. It's a nice time. Everyone loves dorks. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we're coming back right after this quick break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on NW Radio, News Talk 1010. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pei Chen, my co-host, Amanda Brooke. Karen here. <laughs> Elliot's playing. What song is this, Elliot? So this is uh, uh, from Fishscale Record. This is Ghostface Killers Underwater. Just the instrumental. We do not hear the man himself, as you can tell. Oh, I'm kind of missing him. But this is the pan flute thing you're talking about. The pan about. flute thing! Yes. It was produced, actually, I believe it's... Uh, in an elevator. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like It's very smoky. It's like an old like genie show. I you like know. it. So it's like, uh, I think this was a MF Doom produced track. I'm giving all this hip hop information out tonight. I, like I kind of tuned out for a little bit. That's all right. <laughs> Thanks, Elliot. No problem. <laughs> uh, Amanda's joining me uh, until 10 p.m. I'm here covering for Vinny as well. He'll be back next week. This weather is just butts. It, I don't. Mondo butts, man. It's cold. And I spent two years in Winnipeg, and uh, this is not nice weather. No, because it's like wet cold here. Yeah, it's damn, it's like it's more bone chilling. You yeah. know, when I was out there and people said it's a dry cold, I thought they were joking, but I actually understood the difference. For sure. And there's Chinooks out there. Did you wait, are there Chinooks in Saskatchewan? No. Uh in Manitoba? Manitoba. No, I don't not where I, not in Winnipeg. <laughs> I know. Do you know my geography? geography? I feel you guys. like you don't, so this is a little <laughs> bit awkward. <laughs> oh my god. I'm never you're from being Calgary. invited back. I am from Calgary, which is in British Columbia. <laughs> Oh, sweet God. Um, yeah, so we had we had Chinooks happening at the hoo-ha. And that's, can you describe that? Is that what, like, it gets warm? Yeah, the, the warm uh, warm winds come over the mountains and warm everything up, and it's delightful. I feel like even that is probably not true because you just set yourself I, up to be not quite accurate with I am geography a liar. or meteorology. I am the woman from Gone Girl, and this is all <laughs> a ruse. Yes, it is. Uh, still to come on the show, uh, I've got celebrity chef Christine Cushing, who's going to join us uh, just after 8.45. And uh, she's going to give us a little lowdown on choosing olive oil oils she herself she's been growing olives and um, producing olive oil for 10 years so she definitely knows a thing or two and there are rumors of an olive oil shortage also if you ever buy it like me maybe you get a little bit confused because there's like such a huge price range and sometimes I guess because I don't really know how to buy a good bottle of wine either I will look at something that's kind of more expensive but not like super outrageously expensive and think well, the expensive one is probably better. So if I can afford the extra few bucks, I should buy this one. But I could just be taken for a ride. Do you like judge it by label as well? Like what Sometimes the label is Sometimes I like? do. Yeah, yeah, me too. And I know that like you should get extra virgin, not just virgin, because you want extra virginness of your olive oil. Yeah. Uh, but the price ranges. Like I was down at um, like when you go to those specialty stores and you can, you know, there's like 
a bottle for a couple of dollars, and then you can get some for like $30, $40. That's a little. That's a lot. That's super extra, extra virgin. But again, I feel like that would be a real good olive oil. It probably would be delicious, and I would ruin it somehow. Um, just before the break, I was talking about these two stories I found this this week about people who lost their jobs because of something they did on social media. So I want to... Uh, I want your take on this. So you can even you can text us as well at 71010 if you w- want to weigh in. If you think maybe, you know, this person should not have lost their jobs. So I'll start off with this girl in uh, Texas. A teenager in Texas was fired from a job before she even started after her manager saw her insulting her new workplace on Twitter. So before she before her first day on the job at a pizza place, she tweeted ew i start this f bleep 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 a bleep bleep job tomorrow with a bunch of like thumbs down emojis so she complained about it before she even started um she i guess someone saw it a staff member they took a screen cap of it and they sent it to the guy who was going to be her manager so he replied to her on twitter no, you don't start your start that bleep job today. I just fired you. Good luck with your no money, no job life. So, do you think she deserved that or not? Okay, first of all, super hilarious. <laughs> so funny. She didn't um, even start. That's so funny. And this girl was like a young young woman. Is mm-hmm. that right? She's a teenager. I think that's so funny because when you're a teenager, nothing matters. And that's so funny. Like, I hope she learns a lesson, obviously. But that's also the manager replying to her on Twitter isn't very professional. So if he would have, like, stayed silent about it and then, like, told her in person, I would have had a little more respect for him. I think this whole scenario is hilarious. Well, apparently people came down on the manager for that same reason. They said it wasn't professional. He shouldn't have fired her over Twitter. Um, So he actually, I think, got the bulk of the criticism. Uh, Yeah, I, I get that. As weird as that sounds, because he's supposed to, he has, he has a job to be better than that. And he wasn't. Well, apparently she, she didn't seem that upset about losing her job. She thought it was a joke. (laughs) Then she, she tweeted back to the manager, like an emoji of her with money, like making it rain. (laughs) And I'm like that, that. Oh my God. I want to follow this girl on Twitter. What do you mean? I know we should find her and just like (laughs) tweet her support. I wish I had the balls to do that. But do would you ever do that? Well, no, I like my job currently. Yeah. But if I was going, if I had to work at like a fast food job, and, and I had, if I did that, I would tell that story to my grandchildren. You would save that tweet. You would show it to everyone. You'd be yeah. like, "This is you need references here," and you would send a screen cap of yeah. that tweet. I would this print is the tweet. It. <laughs> print it, and I would frame it, and then I would hand it down for generations to come. Okay, so let's. I'll tell you the other story. Um, this happened just a few days ago. You tell me if you think this person deserved to lose their job. An Ohio school bus driver was fired after posting a selfie of her pretending to drink a bottle of beer behind the wheel of the school bus. So she basically, uh, so there's a cap on the bottle, so she's not really drinking it. She's like posing with it like a lot of people do on social media. Uh, So it's a bottle of beer and she takes a photo of herself, but she's in the school bus and she's a school bus driver. She did point out there were no children on the school bus. Oh, but it, that's 
you know that there have been children on that bus. (laughs) So she put it on social media, probably on Twitter or Instagram, whatever. Uh, The school board saw it, the school district, and um, they fired her. But so here's my thing is how dumb are you? That's That's my question. How dumb are you? Why would, would you do that? I would never do that. That's that's next level. I understand where she's coming from. Do you have as a comedian? Oh. <laughs> as okay. a comedian, yes, because it was like a good moment. Yeah, just uh, but uh, even then, like a school bus man, you gotta you gotta choose your <laughs> moments to be hilarious, and that is not one of them, man. That was a fail. That was a mondo fail. Um. Oh, speaking of. What was your most terrifying comedy experience? Oh, God. There's been so many. <laughs> um, I'm curious oh. because I think it takes a lot of guts. Because yeah. I, well, So Amanda uh, does a lot of stand-up. Yeah. And you perform in front of people. And sometimes what you think is funny might be really funny. Or sometimes people don't react the way you hope. For sure. Well, one of them I did in Claire's home, Alberta. Um, and I was six months in. And we drove up and it looked like we were performing in a church. Which isn't where you want to be performing comedy when you first start out. Maybe even ever, unless that's your thing. Um, And then we got in there, my friend Lori Gibbs and I, who's a Calgary-based comedian, very funny. Um, And she, we walked in and they were, it was a woman's dying party. She was attached to an oxygen tank and there were 30 80-year-olds and then like five 40-year-olds and then children running around. And one of the kids had a camcorder and he was taping us. And uh, it was the worst experience. Because uh, right after the slideshow, they're like, all right. And now we have some comedians. And they crying. hired you? Yeah, because apparently the woman wanted to be a comedian in her life or something. But she's on an oxygen tank. We can hear it during our entire show. <laughs> and then at the end of it. I, I panicked halfway through my set because I was six months in and I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> and I asked her if she had any jokes and she proceeded to tell a very racist joke. And oh, so I failed. Yep. And then I bailed and I was like, thank you. Bye. And then uh, Lori Gibbs had to clean up my scraps on the stage. Wow. And then we went to 7-Eleven and ate taquitos <laughs> to uh, warm our hearts back up. It was horrifying. Uh, did you get any feedback about that show? Um, we actually got a tip. Call it a show? We got a tip. We got a $100 tip. Really? <laughs> we split it. Yep. Um, I think because the organizer, which I might have been one of her grandchildren or something, felt very bad for us. Well, they should. What an odd yeah. request. Well, I would, I, well, A, I probably wouldn't have a dying party um, because that's terrifying. I'm just going to have my casket come in on like, um, what are those things called uh, that the cars are on? Um. Oh, geez. That make the car cars bump up and down. Anyways, hydraulics. 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 <laughs> I'm gonna have my casket come in on hydraulics, and then um maybe like my ashes blown out of a cannon. <laughs> oh yeah. Cool, right. Yeah, because everyone wants to go home wearing a little piece of you. Absolutely, and I want them to do that. <laughs> like, take me to all corners of the world. You gotta wash me off. You can't get rid of me so quick. You can't. <laughs> Inhale, breathe it all in. Get me into your lungs. Um, Amanda Brooke Perrin is here with me tonight and we are here until 10 p.m. covering for Vinny. If you want to catch a podcast, paychen.com is the website. You can also find the podcast on iTunes. Coming up after the break, celebrity chef Christine Cushing will join us. You're listening to the Paychen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010.
also a pleasant night. Hopefully you're somewhere warm and uh, my guest co-host, Amanda Brooke Perrin and I are, are going to try and keep you very warm tonight. Um, well, the good stuff isn't cheap and it never really is, but it doesn't have to cost a fortune either. I'm talking about olive oil and celebrity chef Christine Cushing has been growing olives and making olive oil for 10 years. And she joins us now to give us a, a little lesson. Hi, Christine. Hi, Pei. How are you? I'm doing well. And Amanda's here with me as well. And, uh, hi, Amanda. Hi, Christine. Congratulations on your 10-year anniversary. Thank you so much. Uh, it seemed like just yesterday, but then it just seems like so long ago <laughs> at the same time. It's one of those crazy things. But do we not all wish we were somewhere in the Mediterranean? Holy yes. cow. Yes. Oh, my God, definitely. Now, where uh, where do you grow your olives? So my olives are from a beautiful region called Mani in the Peloponnese, so the southern Greek mainland. Just south, most people know the city called Kalamata, where those beautiful olives come Ooh, from. Yeah. Just south of there. So it's picturesque. It's beautiful. It's very hilly. It's just incredible. And it's all coastal and then strewn with olives. Amazing. It sounds so nice right now. Yeah. It does, doesn't it? So <laughs> now I, I, you know, it's funny because like I consider myself a little bit knowledgeable about olive oil. Like I know certain things. Like I know I should look for extra virgin yes. and not just virgin olive oil. Right. Um, I think I'm supposed to look for like first pressed or is that yes yeah so let's talk a little bit about that because there's so much confusion first let's say that this year is a crazy year for olive oil uh in the mediterranean because so many things happen to the harvest in spain and italy so they're going to see a sort of a 50 percent reduction in their production they had frost and then they had too much rain and then they had drought and then they had bugs i mean it was cataclysmic so the, the challenge for the consumer this year is going to be even more difficult to find great olive oil. But the things you have to look for, so by law, when you say extra virgin, it should always be a cold press. Okay. The reason they put cold press there, because it has taken so many years for the consumer to kind of connect with that phrase, cold pressed. It's a bit antiquated. So how olive oil is made now, it's actually called extraction. Um, and it goes through an extraction and then almost like a, it spins like a centrifuge and it separates the oil from the little bit of water. And that is the what we would now call first press, cold press olive oil. Does that make sense? Yes. And so that that means you're getting the best stuff. That means you're getting the best stuff. So what I like to tell people just sort of as a lay person is think of olive oil, olive as a fruit, and think of the olive oil as the juice. So as you would take a lemon and squeeze it, that's what extra virgin olive oil should be. It's that first squeezing that brings out that incredible, uh, gorgeous fruitiness of that olive. Once you squeeze it or press it a second time, then it becomes virgin. And then once you get to the third pressing, you can imagine what's going on there. Then they have to do all kinds of things to it, and it will draw out impurities, bitterness, just all those uh, off flavors. And that's why it's so much less expensive as well. It's not truly olive oil at that point. So at that point, that's maybe the stuff we see for a couple of bucks at the grocery store. That's exactly it. So when people say, oh, I got a great sale, you know, it's four ninety nine a liter, I say, oh, my goodness. It's so hard because as consumers, we want to believe that and we, we obviously are shopping to get the best bang for our buck. 
But I want to tell people when you're buying it for four ninety nine a liter, it truly isn't extra virgin olive oil. It can't be. It just doesn't even support the cost. So it, it shouldn't even say that on the bottle then, right? It should not. And, and this is a challenge that, you know, unfortunately, small producers and, you know, people like me who are really excited and passionate about olive oil and recognize the how much work it takes to produce that oil don't understand it. So you, you, you kind of end up fighting that, right? So these big companies... I don't know, they can put in a few drops or a certain amount of extra virgin olive oil, mix it with other things. Uh, We don't even really know what they do, but it's almost that they stay one step ahead of the committees or these uh, bodies that have to sort of test the olive oil. You know, it's almost like athletes who are um, doping, right? Mm -hmm. You've got to stay ahead of the people who are investigating you, and that seems to be what they do. So now you mentioned that uh, some of the crops have really suffered in this past year. So if we're looking ahead to, let's say, the next year, um, I assume that means that olive oil prices are going to go up already to get a good quality olive oil. It's not the the cheapest thing. You know, it it costs a little bit more than getting your your regular vegetable oil, perhaps. So should we be stocking up? Like, should we be, should I, oh, Christine, be hoarding my (laughs) olive oil? No, don't hoard your olive oil because here's the thing. But good olive oil, and, and by the way, my fresh harvest has just arrived about three weeks ago. So this is the time when the new harvest comes uh, in the Mediterranean. So the January, it's, it's, it's pressed and then shipped over. Uh, but what you want to know is that you need to use it because olive oil doesn't get better with time. You know, with age and, and oxygen and light, it diminishes. So all those beautiful aromas and flavors and antioxidants diminish. So my advice is what, what's happening in Spain and uh, Italy, unfortunately, did not happen in Greece. So we know that uh, Italy is the largest importer of olive oil, and they're the largest exporter of olive oil. So right now they're going to be scrambling to try and fill those orders. They buy a lot of their oil from Spain. They also buy a lot of their oil from Greece, and they package it as part of their own. So what I say is when you're buying this year a Greek olive oil, and by the way, Greeks produce the third largest or the third largest producer on the planet, but they also produce 80% extra virgin olive oil. So if all the olive oil that's produced in Greece 80% of it is extra virgin. So, you you know, you can really speak to the quality there. So I've been fortunate enough to kind of be privy to that, that the prices are not in Greece going to go up so much. Uh, so this is an opportunity for Greece to show the world that they have incredible quality olive oil at a really good price. Now, when we uh, buy, a, you know, a decent bottle of olive oil, yes. um, should we be like frying our foods in it or should we be using it like to finish things like you know on a salad or mm-hmm. a soup that, that's a great question pay and there, there's it's two-pronged so in terms of can you cook with olive oil absolutely 100 percent you can uh and in greece and italy and spain that's their pretty much their only oils that they use they use it for everything it won't be the most cost effective so if you're going to buy like migrate olive oil and it's so fresh and beautiful and you stir fry with it that's obviously not going to be the best use for that but i cook with it i put it in soups i make stews with it because that flavor and those antioxidants are there now as a for a salad you're going to get the most flavor profile so you're going to taste all those uh, beautiful grassy notes uh, the lovely green apple uh, hints of tropical banana. I mean, it sounds crazy, but, you know, that's these are the flavor profiles of the oil that I bring in. So you want to 
capture that. You want to make sure that as a consumer and as a cook and for your family and friends, you're tasting those things. So it's a combination of the two. I say definitely don't hoard it. Don't put it up there in the closet and save it because it's going to be the best it is now when you first get it. All right. And uh, where can we find your olive oil, Christine? So my olive oil is at stores. Uh, you can get it at, at Longo's. You can get it at some Loblaws. You can get it at um, a few gourmet, obviously, shops at Bruno's, at Fiesta Farm. So anywhere that you'll find good quality olive oil, it will be there. Um, and I actually have to send you guys a bottle, by the way, because I think you're going to love it. Oh, that'd be great. Thank you so much. Well, are you are you up for that? Maybe I'm, I should have sent it already today so you could have been already <laughs> drinking it now as we chat. I'll send right? you my home address. <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh like, we'll God. just drink the, the olive oil. <laughs> we'll, and we won't hoard it because we know it, it not be, doesn't get better with age. Um, yeah, that's great. Thank you so much. It. Thank you, guys. I, I really appreciate it. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure to chat with you, and um, and I look forward to you tasting it. I'll send you some, and you can let me know what you think. I'll, I'll see if I taste hints of banana and <laughs> and citrus and all of those things. I'm going to do a serious tasting <laughs> on this, yes, Christine. No, you have to. It, it really is. Uh, it's really that great. So I'm, I'm excited for you to taste it. Well, I believe you. Well, thanks for your time. Have a great night. Thank you so much, you too. That's uh, Chef Christine Cushing. Um, well, I learned a little something there, Amanda. Like, pretty surprised that olive oil goes bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you had a bottle for like ten years? That yeah, maybe I have to you go home and take care of some stuff. <laughs> oh no, my boyfriend found mustard in my fridge from like two years ago. Oh no, I threw something out the other day that um, oh, it was a jar of pickles, and I guess I thought because it was pickles, it lasts yeah. forever. But I think it's three years old. Yeah, and, is, is that, that bad? bad? <laughs> oh God. I can't survive as a human. Well, because it was, oh, I just, I thought, I don't know. And I feel, and also my, I have like a condo size fridge, which means oh, that absolutely. it's narrow. Yeah. And when I do grocery shop, I end up cramming everything in there. So in yeah. a way I was looking for space. I'm like, here's this giant, like two liter, like obviously at some point I thought I really love pickles for and sure. I would buy a two liter jar of it. <laughs> and then I'm like, this two liter jar of bread and butter pickles is taking up a lot of space. I don't know if it's good anymore. Things get lost in fridges. It's terrifying. It's a jungle out there it really is and i probably <laughs> do have mustard that's just as old and yeah. um well come up with a solution for that companies make <laughs> it last it just, forever <laughs> make it put more chemicals in it yeah and make it last forever and ever that being um, said try christine's olive oil it's gonna be great it's it tastes like so many other foods it's gonna be wonderful i'm very excited for her to send it to my home address <laughs> which i will send her via facebook yeah she's probably waiting for it right now she's like i want yeah. to send amanda like, a bottle of wait. olive oil if she could just send me her address uh well coming up after the break you will get to taste whiskey so i hope you're ready for that i'm so very ready since i have tomorrow off all oh, right fantastic. okay so mark bylock is the uh, author of the whiskey cabinet which is a best-selling book it's sort of like a whiskey one-on-one. He breaks down different kinds of... He breaks down whiskey. So it's great for people, I think, who have an interest and who know about it. But apparently, he can also educate Amanda and myself because we know nothing. And we just want to know enough that we can... I just want to know enough that when people talk about things, I can interject Yeah. once in a while. Yeah. Or say something that people might think sounds kind of oppressive because they are looking at me like this girl knows nothing. And then I can yeah. say one thing. This has hints of spruce in it. I love spruce. I love spruce whiskey. <laughs> oh, my God. We are really good at this. So uh, Amanda and I are back until 10. 
So we're just coming up to a quick break here and then a little bit of news, and then we'll be back uh, with a little Whiskey 101. If you have any questions, you can always text in 71010. <laughs> we'll find out, too, if uh, price means a better product. That's not always true. We found that out with olive oil, too. So uh, taking a quick break here on the Pay Chen Show. You're listening to In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. I want to take a minute or two. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back. Uh, it's Pay Chen in for Vinnie White, and Amanda Brooke Perrin is here with me. Actress, comedian, writer. I like to mix up the order that I thank you say so much. Things. I appreciate it. I like so. to keep things interesting as well. <laughs> and they're like, wait, what is she? And I'm like, last time she was an actress first. This time she's a comedian. All of those things. Um, and we were about to do a little whiskey one-on-one. And it's not because you're, you and I know much about it. No. In fact, I think it's safe to say we know nothing about it. I think that's a pretty safe <laughs> statement, actually. <laughs> so that's why Mark Bylock is here with us. Uh, Mark has written a best-selling book called The Whiskey Cabinet. And uh, congratulations on that, Mark, because I know it's uh, doing very well in Canada and in the U.S. So congrats. And you're a bit of a... You know, whiskey expert, you do uh, consultations for restaurants, you know, to kind of educate them on the things they should be carrying. Um, you do whis- host whiskey tasting events as well. And for your book, you tasted 350 glasses of whiskey? Yes, pay 350 different types of whiskey. So I didn't over- even know that many existed. In one night? Uh, no, okay. I tried. I tried spreading out across a week. Yeah. Oh my. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. No, solid. it was it was a, it was a project that lasted a couple of years. I've been drinking whiskey for more than that, obviously. But uh, for the book, up to that, I was. It's been a couple of years of, of tasting a lot of different types of whiskey, and and it's when traveling as well. Yeah. So so you tasted 350 types for the book. Then you sort of chose your your top 100 or so to to write about, and you. I thought this was interesting. You tasted most of your whiskey before 10 a.m. Yeah. Is I, that why is that? Is that what we should be doing? Is that why Amanda and I are doing it wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. It's a trick I picked up from whiskey makers. A lot of whiskey makers. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, that's what they call it. Yeah. You know, you know how wine writers and whiskey writers have a lot of detail in what they write. They're like, oh, this smells like a campfire from a distance and a toffee and a apple pie. Yes. Um, so in the evening, you know, our palates kind of exhaust themselves as we have lunch, as we have dinner, and it, re- it resets in the morning. So a lot of whiskey makers uh, will taste their whiskey very early on in the day. And oh. a lot of times they just sniff uh, the whiskey glass. So um, so when I was doing the, a lot of the whiskey tastings, I, w- I tried to do them early in the morning, but it wouldn't be like a quarter ounce. It wasn't, you know, I wasn't drinking. Did you have a day job at this time? <laughs> like, did you then go to work? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I didn't really drink well, th- enough yeah, to. Well, uh, but there's 350 kinds there, Mark. Yeah, You've and, said and that some were and some were in the afternoons uh, <laughs> thing. But the whole idea was to get that those that larger pr- flavor profile that we appreciate in the evening, but it's harder to describe. It's harder to get those subtler uh, flavors. And My also taste, to have a party yeah. at work, you know. <laughs> yeah, just a little. At, you'd be like, guys, if you start at. Come to work at nine, and at nine twenty-five, just come by my desk. Mark was just very happy for a year. It's whiskey time, <laughs> not nine thirty. It's whiskey time. Whiskey o'clock. Um, so 
I guess, what should we know? Like, what are the basics? And I, I know you brought some for us to taste. And I will just mention that um, the other week I was at Lucky Restaurant because they were launching, they're kind of previewing their Chinese New Year menu, which they're going to start on Thursday, which is Chinese New Year. And they had paired it with some uh, Macallan, which mm-hmm. should I call it a whiskey? Is that correct? Absolutely. Any okay. uh, grain-based alcohol that has been aged in oak is commonly called whiskey. So single malt scotch is whiskey, bourbon is whiskey. Oh. Uh, it just depends. Um, it kind of if you're if you're familiar with wine, uh, Bordeaux's come from the Bordeaux region. Uh, and whiskey, it's kind of the same, except the regions are much broader. So single malt scotch comes from all of Scotland. And bourbon is comes from anywhere in the US. They are made and defined differently depending on what country. So in the US, they'll make it with uh, typically with corn. Bourbon's made of 51%, typically more corn. In Scotland, it's it's 100% malted barley, uh, if single malt scotch. So they do use different recipes and different uh, starting ingredients when mm-hmm. making whiskey, and they also age it in wood. So in America, you get new oak, and that has a lot of that forward sweet flavor. So bourbon, typically, you're, it hits you with a lot of flavor right off the bat. In Scotland, they use reused oak, uh, and that is Reused? More, yeah, they, re, they reuse it. The barley, malted barley is a very... Um, has a kind of gentle sweetness to it. It would be overpowered by new oak typically. So they use reuse the oak barrels from from the U.S. or from from Europe, and that has a milder oak, oaky flavor to it. Let's say. So it's not like someone swishing it around there in their mouth and being like, "Okay, you try now." <laughs> I'm <laughs> spitting like, it in. I don't know about else. this. <laughs> so it so some of the it, some of it is named uh, like in relation to the region that it's. From or am I totally off? Like Scotch, you were saying is right. So Scotch is from Scotland, and then right. uh, Canadian whiskey is just called Canadian whiskey, and oh, Irish okay. whiskey is just called Irish whiskey, and then bourbon is from America. It has to be made in the U.S. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't have like you, you wouldn't have Scottish bourbon. Correct. Yeah. Okay. The, the, I just need to know those things, just so I know that. If I'm talking- <laughs> I need to know that uh, to exist in society. So I just need to know that, like, when I'm traveling and I and I, if I'm in the states, I'm like, just yeah. give me your local scotch, and they're like, ah, oh, that's bad. Right? Yeah, you don't want to ask for local scotch in the U.S. All but right, they will well, at least serve, serve you scotch, I'm sure. No, they probably won't because they'll know I don't know anything. <laughs> um, so, what do you? What would you like us to try? Mo- more specifically, what would you like Amanda to try? This is great. all right. So, Amanda, um, I thought we'd we'd start from Scotland. Perfect. Um, How much of that bottle are we gonna drink? Uh, it's about ninety dollars. This is the. Uh, <laughs> This is actually the most expensive bottle here. So I, I wanted to. So this is our from my from my whiskey cabinet collection at home. But I wanted to give you know have you try stuff that you can buy at the LCBO or have at a bar. Um, so the first one's the Belvini Double Wood, and I'll just uh, pass that over to you. Thank you. So uh, we both thought you're supposed to swirl uh, whiskey the way that you swirl wine. And I did that at this the McAllen dinner that I was mm-hmm. at. They had put out little tasters, little glasses for us to taste. And I thought to look like I knew what I was doing with everyone else <laughs> at this dinner, that I would just swirl it like it was a glass of wine. And apparently that's not what people in the know actually do. Yeah, they... In wine, you swirl the glass for a lot of reasons. The first to oxidize the wine a little bit and also to um, I just get a more aroma. Whiskey has 40% or more alcohol. 
And because of that, that alcohol molecule is very excitable. It just it doesn't take much to get it going. It's kind of like when we are, we're drinking whiskey, it's we like get very excited. It's like a prepubescent teenager. Yeah, it's like it me really right is. now. <laughs> it really is. And so when you swirl that glass, that alcohol just starts just bouncing out of that glass. And so you'll find it stronger on that alcohol flavor and, and you'll pick up less flavor. So it's okay to swirl. I swirl the glass all the time, but mm -hmm. I'll, I'll let the whiskey calm before I take a sip. Oh, okay. And that'll make it a smoother drink. How do I do it? All right. So. What you, yeah. What is she supposed to do? What do you, do you like do? take a big sniff like you do with wine? So no. In you fact, don't. that's oh, they're okay. all they're all opposites. Basically, do the opposite of with wine. Do the opposite um, with you wine. You want to take. You don't want to actually inhale a big breath of air. You just want to kind of bring that whiskey glass to your nose and okay. just part your lips, <laughs> and just let that aroma come up. This is like a Fifty Shades of Grey. Type it thing. is. <laughs> okay. And then just take the smallest sip and avoid the tip of your tongue. You want to kind of go over the top of the tongue. So you want to just go to the back. Yeah, go towards the middle and just let it. Oh, that's very nice. Are you lying? <laughs> are you, you just saying No, it? I'm actually oh. saying that's nice. I was surprised. <laughs> so um, the Balvenie Doublewood is um, made in Scotland. It's a single malt scotch. I brought it because it has an interesting combination. It's mostly oaked in reused American uh, barrels, mm -hmm. but it's finished off in European oak. So some of those lighter flavors you're getting from the American oak, but that the sweeter flavors you're, you're getting from that European oak. So it's kind of a combination of both. And it's a, you know, it's a good whiskey. It's a, it's a great whiskey to start on, I think. It's, uh, it's always in my cabinet one way or another. It's always there. All right. Amanda, what did you taste? I think I've been drinking it wrong because usually I just feel and taste death. Um, but, <laughs> oh, God, I need to take another sip. Take another know. sip. And then I want to know what, what flavors you taste, if any, or if you've taste spruce <laughs> i don't know what i'm tasting i'm tasting a large amount of liquor <laughs> and um what am i supposed to be tasting here and i'll i'll agree if i if i taste it Car caramel caramel citrus yeah a little bit of citrus from the American i'm just oak. making this up no no you're doing yeah, you're doing great taste I, the caramel hey's <laughs> not even having a drink and she, she's already an expert this is great no it's, it's really it's that those are the really common flavors when you do a tasting oh um, they're the common flavor so regardless when you try one you can just go i taste some caramel i'm getting hints you, of caramel that's perfect. And that's say it in that voice. You have to say it <laughs> yeah. in that voice. Otherwise, it doesn't count. But, Mark, but we just want to know enough that we can fake a conversation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's great. I think that's that's exactly. You don't have to. <laughs> tasting whiskey is just you want to see what what memories it brings to you. And if you're if it's new to you, you're not going to get all those uh, mm -hmm. flavors right away. But uh, caramel, uh, toffee are very common. This mm. one you'll get that that little like vanilla like flavors. Um, all, all those flavors mostly come from the wood. There's almost no, there's, there's really no sugar in, in the drink. It all gets, all that grain gets distilled out and purified. So, but there's, there's a little bit of that flavor that comes from the wood and that's what you're really tasting. But do you get sad when people just shoot a bunch of it at the bar? Does it, do you, a part, does a part of you die? Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're <laughs> shooting whiskey and then they're sipping whiskey. So I, yeah. you, you really do use Do you whiskey. ever just shoot it? Um, I, I guess. Oh, uh, you guess so. Okay. Not, not, I can't recall the last time, but I'm, yeah, I'm sure. You have. Yeah. yeah. But you don't do it now. Uh, I see people do shots. They like I, line up and they're like, yeah. let's do shots of whiskey or shots of bourbon. Yeah. But for somebody's the birthday, way... for somebody's birthday, you'll shoot, shoot whiskey. So like yeah. a Jameson, a Jack Daniels, kind of your, your typical bar right. rail whiskey. It's, yeah. it's great to shoot. You're but not... like, would you do that with one of your top brand, top choices? No, but I for, I probably wouldn't, but it's just more I'd want to savor it. And, and especially the rare whiskeys that you can't necessarily buy at the LCBO or mm. or they've sold out at the LCBO. I, I want to savor those. I want to enjoy those. Yeah. Well, I do too. Like a popsicle. Yeah. Like a um, bad for you to popsicle. <laughs>
I want to savor it. I don't want, like it's well, like people chew popsicles, and I think that's weird. Yeah, I chew my because popsicle. it's gone so quickly. Yeah, I gotta get through it. Well, I don't know why. I feel like you're such a waster of good <laughs> things. I thought you were gonna say I feel like you're such a waste of space. <laughs> so like, no, I wasn't should I in a tasting? Do you drink all of it or do you um, push push it away and pretend like you don't want the rest of it? I, I think that's a, if you if you're going for the more sophisticated look, you want to kind yeah. of drink it and just push it away, yeah. just just like that. Perfect. And then just, you just stare at it. Just until consider it. Consider the moment. Consider you know any pets you have at home. Just whatever sure. kind of comes to mind in that space in that that time. Uh, but no, uh, it's showing that you have restraint because you're like, this is delicious and I know it's expensive, yeah. but I can do without it. I'll just push it away for a little bit. For sure. I think if you're doing a tasting <laughs> of two or three different whiskeys, it's good to keep some in the glass. Yeah. Oh. Then you can go back and forth. Oh, that's oh, true. Okay. You can compare. So what's the next one that she should try? So the next one is called Eagle Rare, and that's from the Buffalo Trace Distillery. I feel really weird that I'm the only person doing this. PS. I'll sip the other one. You, you will? Oh, my yeah, God. I'm so excited. Mark's been drinking. He, <laughs> my he lipstick's been on it, so that's, watch oh, it. Oh, that's great, because now I, I think I'll wear that color well. <laughs> so, so, Mark, what is this next one? So this next one is Eagle Rare. And so this one's been aged for 10 So the first one you had has been aged for 12 years uh, in reused oak. This has been aged in 10 years in brand new oak. So they made a made a barrel, brand new American oak. And you'll get a lot more <laughs> pay me to face. It's <laughs> <laughs> not my favorite thing. <laughs> Uh, you'll get a lot more uh, forward flavor. So when you when you're feeling more like a very kind of a drink that gets your attention, bourbon's a great way to go because it'll just right away you you get a lot of flavor right from the bat. Okay, I can't wait. Okay, so you guys are both gonna try it. Uh, I'll just remind people that uh, Mark does know a thing or two about whiskey. So if you have a question, you can text in at seven ten ten. We're gonna take a quick break, and after that, I want to ask Mark about the price range and if we can get a fairly decent bottle of whiskey for you know, not a ton of money because I'm not Mr. Banks here with tons of cash to throw around, but I might like to buy a decent gift for someone. And um, we'll find out what Amanda thinks of that second whiskey and what flavor she tastes other than caramel and vanilla and citrus. I'm going to drink some more to find that out. Okay. You're listening to The Paychain Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. We'll be back after this quick break. on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. I hope you're staying warm on this frigid, cold evening. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Paige Chen. I have two guests with me. Uh, Amanda Brooke Perrin, of course, has been with me for the evening. And uh, she's tasting whiskey right now, having small little sips. And Mark Bylock is here joining us. He is the author of the best-selling book, The Whiskey Cabinet, where he tasted several hundreds of with bottles of whiskey, mostly before 10 a.m., and then uh, chose his top 100 or so, and they're in the book. So the book, uh, Mark, you basically, you describe the top whiskeys, and then this is to sort of help people decipher all the different kinds, I guess. Is that, am I saying that right? The book uh, the book focuses a lot on, on whiskey that's available and affordable. So a lot of the whiskeys in Ontario would be up for $100 or less. I wanted to talk about those whiskeys because I feel they don't get enough attention. A lot of books out there talk about the best whiskeys, the rarest whiskeys, uh, the whiskeys that cost, you know, hundreds and hundreds of dollars. So most of the whiskeys are under $100. The ones that are cost more, I just truly recommend. I think they're great for that price point. Uh, but I wanted to make it an available book for anybody that's building a collection 
of affordable whiskey. Uh, that that's really the way the way the book was designed. But it also was there for you know if you're a single malt drinker or a bourbon drinker specifically, uh, the book encourages you to pre- appreciate the other drinks from other countries. So a whiskey is a drink that we should serve how? Should, like in, in certain glasses? Do we serve it on ice? Do we? Sure. A lot of, um, I think the few rules is if you're drinking it straight, it, it's best to do in a tulip shaped glass. Um, so if you think of those, uh, we, we have the Glencairn glasses here that I brought. Uh, all, all those, also those small wine glasses work really well. So uh, not a paper cup. You know, at a party, you can you can do you can, you know, not a mug. Don't don't <laughs> shy away mug. from no, the paper. The whole idea is you wanna you wanna kind of focus that flavor, just like with wine. You wanna mm-hmm. you wanna focus that. Um, if you're drinking on ice, uh, rocks glass is great. And on ice, I think it's it, it cools it down. Uh, the only negative of having it on ice is it does dilute it over time. So right. you know, over five five ten minutes, it might get too diluted um, in most cases. But also, but texturally, it's very pleasant because it's a cooler drink. We like mm-hmm. co- cooler alcohols. Um, and then sometimes you, you know, if you really want to taste a little bit more flavor, if you're, you know, really enjoying a whiskey, add a couple of drops of water to just open it up. Oh. Um, water, is, water to whiskey is like uh, air to wine. Like it just gives it a little bit more. It just opens up the glass a little mm-hmm. bit more. Um, but, you know, drink it however you enjoy it. So if you're just getting into whiskey and it's on ice or you need to put in half water, half uh, or if you're ordering at a bar, you know, order with straight and then have it water on the side. Right. And you can just control how much water you pour in. Um, someone, uh, Justin texted and he asked if whiskey stones are worth the money instead of using ice. Um, I don't know what whiskey stones are. Uh, whiskey stones are uh, they're literally stones shaped like ice cubes that you put in the freezer to cool down. And then you put them into your whiskey glass to chill down. Oh, so they're, they do, and they don't melt, right? So they don't add... Yeah. water right yeah yeah so he's asking if you if what you think about that i i think they're they're for me they're my, my personal feeling is they're a little bit overused um just from the standpoint of if you like a cool drink uh, that's great but whiskey really uh ice waters it down a little bit and cools it off so it depends what you're really looking for so if you just want a cool drink whiskey stones are great um if you want a drink that's gets mellow over time with the water you'd want to use ice right um I'm not a big fan of them personally for my drinking, but it really, mm-hmm. if, if you enjoy them, that's 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 the most it important depends. thing. It depends. Maybe you just want a cooler drink yeah. without the uh, without having it watered down. Okay, so Amanda had a sip of the second whiskey that you brought. And uh, where did you say that was from? Uh, that was from uh, Kentucky Buffalo Trace. Uh, the whiskey is Eagle Rare 10-year-old. 10-year-old. Is that impressive to say to people at a party or not? It is for Kentucky straight. <laughs> the key question uh, for uh, Kentucky straight bourbon. Ten years is great. Um, yeah. And most 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 bourbons are between four to eight years. Oh, then ten um, is very. They don't usually impressive. even tell you the year until you get to like eight or nine. So ten is is a good good time to uh, good time. Twelve That's years a is good a really whiskey. old. Yeah. Amanda, what did you taste? I'm tasting whiskey, mm-hmm. like we stated before. Vanilla? Is there a little bit of vanilla? Am I just imagining that? No, there's. Yeah, that, this is absolutely. You'll get that Sick. vanilla from oh, that brandy you're oak. Good at this. Absolutely, absolutely. Is is whiskey like wine in that it pairs well with specific foods? Like I've never had whiskey with, uh, like a main course or anything. Is that a thing that people do? You know, I often. Um, you can have whiskey with very specific groups like uh, chocolate or cheese. Mm, um, oh, we both oh. really like those two foods. Love it. Oh, you know, chocolate. I've, t- for me, chocolate pairs really great with whiskey, uh, especially dark chocolate. Those those kind of bitter, dark flavors. They 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 overlap whiskey really well. Uh, it's really tough to pair whiskey with food. I, I have you know 
great chefs do it and it is possible, but it is, it's a very rare art form. That's very difficult. That's uh, very rarely done, I guess. So then just pair it with snacks. I, like no, I usually, for my, cheese. when I go out to dinner, I have uh, my whiskey with dessert because I don't like mm. anything too sweet. So I find the whiskey really cuts that out f- for me. So can we also talk about the price range of whiskey? I, I want to know if I can buy a decent bottle for like not a ton of money. Sure. Uh, price points really depend on which country uh, you're buying from. So if you're buying uh, from the United States, and, well, we're talking about LCBO prices. Uh, typically, thirty to fifty dollars for a bourbon is a great range. Um, you know, the the one we're tasting right now is about fifty dollars. Um, Buffalo Trace straight is uh, is about forty dollars. So you're getting a really good whiskey at that price point. Uh, if you're talking about Scotch, it gets higher in price because it is more expensive for them produced. Typically, you know, at minimum, you're looking at a twelve year old whiskey or, or older. So with Scotch, you're looking at you know sixty dollars or more if you're looking for a single malt Scotch. And then Canadian whiskeys are actually at a fantastic price point. Um, one that I've you know recently came out was uh, Canadian Club 100% rye, mm-hmm. and so it's made out of 100% rye, made in Alberta, and it costs twenty-seven dollars and ninety-five cents or something like that. It's basically twenty-eight dollars. Wow! It's, it's a sipping whiskey. You can enjoy this in a glass and sip it for hours, or you can mix it in cocktails. So it has very versatile drink. So you said that's from Alberta. It is, yeah. Okay, well, uh, there was just another text question someone asked, as opposed to a Canadian whiskey, what is your preference for a rye whiskey from out west? And you just mentioned this one is from Alberta. Yeah, that's that's a really great one, and it's a great uh, price point. Um, Any of the uh, ryes that come from the Alberta distillery are are excellent. Uh, Masterson's 100% rye is my favorite. It comes and goes from the LCBO. It's about $80. Uh, it's not currently there, but when you see it at the LCBO, that's a really great 10-year-old straight rye whiskey. It's really nice. Um, Alberta Premium is excellent. Um, like I said, uh, Dark Horse is a really great rye. So a lot of great options there. And it just, the flavors, you just kind of have to taste back and forth and, and see what you like. So, you know what, Just uh, we just have a little bit of time left. Maybe we'll get Amanda to try the third whiskey. Okay. And, uh, How do we do it? <laughs> you can, now you're it? a pro. Should yeah, I? It's for you. Oh, okay. Oh, I and feel bad, though. You can mix them. You? It's fine. Um, I feel like whenever someone is very passionate about something, I'm so scared to do anything wrong. Oh no! I mean, when 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 you we taste whiskey with with friends, it's a, we we pour out all the time. It's a, you can't you can't drink for every... me. It's, it's more important to try different types of whiskey than you know finish it. So that's quite it's, it's great. so weird that we live such different lives. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Amanda's never poured out booze. <laughs> I've never, ever, and will never. I'm drinking that when I'm done. I'm, I'm sure it's you will. Polite. So as Amanda tries that, Mark, uh, maybe you could just finish up by telling us, um, I guess, what to look for on a label. Just because for me, for someone who doesn't know anything, I sometimes equate, I often equate um, price with quality. Mm-hmm. So I'll get stressed about buying a gift for someone and then think, well, I should buy the most expensive one I can afford. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's the best one out there. So uh, what are the basic things that we should look for on a label? I think, you know, it, it's tough with labels because there's very few, you know, technically only a few things on the label are uh, legally protected. The alcohol content, the distillery name, like there's not a lot else in there that you can really read into. A lot of times I'll look for whiskeys. Um, if you're paying a little bit more for whiskey, you, you really should get a whiskey with a higher percentage than 40% as a general assumption, oh, not okay. always. Yeah. Um, because if it's been aged longer in wood, you really should have more alcohol to complement that flavor. Um, so that's one uh, good rule to use. 
Um, you know, with bourbons, it's good to have, if you're looking for a higher end bourbon, an age statement is great because now you know it's been aged for a certain amount of years. Mm-hmm. With single malt scotch, it's a little harder. It's a, there's a wide range of, you know, there's over a hundred and some distilleries in Scotland. Um, and so it's better to do some research before you go to the store um, online and, and do a little background research on what, what kind of whiskey you want. Uh, but there's, you know, a lot of the whiskeys at the LCBR are fantastic. They do, you know, they have a lot of good single malt scotches as well. So okay. you're good. Thanks. Um, Amanda, what do you taste? Caramel? Is that right? <laughs> but is it's that a, all I don't of know. Them? It's like, no. No, this one more it's not, so? I don't think it's vanilla, though. So this one's a little bit different. I would even call this one um, a little bit like licorice towards the end. It's, really? It's got that kind of okay. numbing <laughs> tongue um, notes. Uh, this one's been aged in, I mentioned it's usually American oak or European oak. Uh, this, uh, this is a, sorry, I should mention it. It's a Forty Creek um, 2004 Evolution. It's been Evolution. aged in in uh, wine barrels primarily. Oh, that's oh, interesting. That's so, why I like it so much. <laughs> it, it tastes almost like cherries. Like if you ever had like soaked cherries in alcohol yeah. and just kind of have that, it's almost that kind of flavor. It's sweeter. Um, it's a great whiskey. Uh, Forty Creek's a great story in Canada. They really um, pushed forward what Canadian whiskey was. Early on, Canadian whiskey was very polite, um, very... Oh, no, that's so Canadian whiskey. We were. So it was polite. So stary- it, was just, it was just very light-flavored. There's nothing wrong with light-flavored whiskey, uh, but it was very polite and very kind of unobtrusive. And then Forty Creek came along, and other distilleries since then have come along, and they've given you more flavor. So you, t- you can taste that flavor in this whiskey. Yeah, it, is, it gives you more, more of a punch uh, of the vanillas and everything else. But then you get like this licorice and the spicy notes from the wood. It's really a nice, nice whiskey. I don't know what I taste ever. <laughs> but do you like it? Yeah, it's great. I yeah, really like it. Yeah, you like it? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I think I'll order whiskey in a bar now. For real. Really? Yeah. I feel very, I feel like my job here is done. <laughs> uh, Mark, Same thank here. you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Mark Bylock is the author of The Whiskey Cabinet. It's a great book to add to your collection or to give to someone that you know who is a, uh, a whiskey lover or someone who's interested in perhaps, uh, you know, collecting for their own whiskey cabinet. We're taking a quick break here on the show. Coming back, we're going to talk about uh, the Toronto Artist Project. And if you like art, how you can watch a live art battle and then uh, bid on a piece of work yourself. You're listening to The Page End Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Quick break. We'll be back right after this. This is The Page End Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in. Amanda Brooke Perrin is with me. She's here until 10 p.m., which is coming up very soon. It's gone by pretty quickly. So quick. In my opinion. Also, you were drinking whiskey. So Absolutely. That probably felt like it went by really quickly <laughs> as well. Um, if you like art, you might love the idea of watching people make art in front of you in like a fun party-like setting. Claire Taylor is on the line. She's the show director for the uh, Toronto's Artist Project. Hi, Claire. Hi, Pei. Hi, Amanda. Hi. So, uh, Claire, tell us a bit about this event. I know that it's taking place this coming weekend, so it's February 19th to the 22nd, and it's a great event for art lovers. It is, yes. It has really become one of the most exciting art events in the city, and it is an annual contemporary art fair, and we have over 250 artists exhibiting and selling their work at this year's show. And I'm really curious to know about the art battle because that sounds really cool to me. <laughs> it is. This is new for us. We have an opening night party on the Thursday night, but if you can't make that, then the Friday night 
from 6 till 8 p.m. We have live artist competitive painting happening, which is a new feature for us. We have 16 artists that will be uh, creating paintings within 20 minutes. That's so cool. It is cool. Now, how did you choose these artists? Well, they're all artists in the show. We have, uh, as I said, 250 artists. Mm -hmm. They they work in, in a variety of mediums. We have painting, photography, illustration, and and then more contemporary uh, mediums like digital media, sculpture, video, and installation. So we selected 16 painters to be part of the, the art battle. And the, the concept is that they have 20 minutes to create painting. And the visitors can, can kind of see them in action and see what they do, what they create, and how they do it. And then there's a, there's a voting system as well as an auction. So you can hopefully find a work of art that you love and and buy it there as well. So is there like a starting price? I'm just trying to get an idea of what the price range might be. Well, for the art battle, they roughly go around $50 to, you know, $75. Oh, that's really, but that's very affordable for someone like myself who doesn't know a lot about art, but might like to have an original piece. Absolutely. And just to, to see them doing this live, I think it's so special because we, we often see the finished artwork, but we don't often get to see them creating it and the process that it takes to, to do the work. Um, I like this idea a lot. Yeah, man. It's like the Hunger Games for artists. <laughs> it's like the Hunger Games. <laughs> That's great. So, well, thanks so much, Claire. I know the, web, uh, the website is theartistproject.com if people want to take a look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I hope you. I hope you're there. I hope I meet you. Um, well, maybe Amanda and I will have to go and and, and battle for some art. Yeah, you'll definitely yeah. have to battle it out. <laughs> oh man, you will win for sure. You're so I think quaint. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for your time, Claire. Yeah, absolutely. Have a great evening. Okay, Bye, have Claire. a great night. Bye. If we battled, I would win. You would absolutely win because you're so uh, creative and thrifty. <laughs> no, I would just go straight for your eyes. <laughs> I would just With try to nails. paint a portrait of you. I'd be like, oh, that's nice. I know. You're a bit of an artist, so aren't you? I feel like you do crafty things. Um, I or... went through a painting phase where I just sat in my basement suite and would draw um, and would paint and watch the X-Files. It was a very dark time. <laughs> Wait, but I, was this recent or no? It was like two years ago, I think. I feel like I've, I don't know. I mean, I creep you on Twitter, so yeah. I feel like you've had little art Maybe, Maybe like it's little craft things that you do or something. I, I painted, um, yeah, I do some, I do crafts. It's not a big deal. Um, <laughs> but I painted a lot and mostly my paintings just said I'm uncomfortable. Oh. And then with a fun background. <laughs> uh, I like that a lot. Oh, I wanted to tell you about, okay, so I want to let you know about the secret Facebook group, okay? Oh my God, I'm so excited. I know. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it because it's secret and I just joined and they might kick me off. Anyway, there's this Facebook group called Bums Trading. And it's in different cities. And a friend of mine added me to it. And it was because I'd posted a pair of shoes that um, I never wore and they were in great shape. And I was like, oh, I, I keep hanging on to these because, you know, when you have something that you paid good money for, it's like in brand new condition. So you don't want to get rid of it. And I'm like, well, maybe one day I'll wear these. Um, and my friend said, oh, you should put it on Bums Trading. And I'm like, I've, <laughs> I don't want to trade Bums with anyone. I this is keep really weird. Own. Thank you. And she said, well, it's kind of like a, a Kijiji or Craigslist, but there's no money exchange. You, you trade uh, for items or services. So if let's say you are a handyman and I was like, oh, I'm getting rid of this bookshelf. What could you trade for? And, um, and I 
said, oh, I need somebody to help me hang some pictures, like whatever, that kind of thing. So anyway, she added me to this Facebook group and there's a Toronto one, there's Montreal, Vancouver. Um, so I guess people just start them up in different cities. And I was kind of like checking into this group every once in a while, but I didn't see a lot of stuff that I wanted. It was a, a lot of things are a bit strange. Like, like? So people would post would just post anything you want to get rid of. You post, you're like, what have you guys got to trade? So a lot of people will trade for beer or wine or, you know, books or something. So people will post like record albums or um, they would post like uh, bookshelves or a lot of clothing. But then I was going through it and people were posting like half eaten food. Like there was someone who posted and this one, this one killed me. It was a bottle of soup. Somebody bought a bottle and they were like, bought the soup. I don't like it. There's a boat. There's like a quarter cup out of it willing to trade. And then basically you just, you put it out there. And if anyone's interested, they go, yeah, I want your soup. Will you take maybe, um, like this, this chicken bone? Yeah. This well, who DVD. would take soup? Did someone take soup? I, someone may have taken soup only because there's a lot of food things on there. So somebody, for example, recently this weekend, Put posted like half a bag of quinoa, so it was like open, um, a bag of rice, some peanut butter, and then like some of the food is open, which is that is weird to me. So anyway, I'm like, I don't know about this. So I'm gonna, I've got some, I've got stuff that's in good shape. So I'm gonna post my stuff, and I post, I put up some shoes. I have a pair of like North Face hiking boots that my brother bought me years ago with the tag still on it because. Look at me. I don't hike. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? I'm going to post this. I keep hanging on to them thinking I'll sell them, but I won't. No no interest. No bites. Not, not a single thing. I have some unopened makeup that I put on there, like a lip gloss that I was like, you know, it's brand new because I think it'd be gross otherwise. And then it was like a million people wanted it. So now I'm addicted because I <laughs> – so today, instead of working all afternoon, I was looking around my condo for stuff that I could – like trade and I don't really want so I live in 500 square feet it's very small I do yeah. not have room for anything to come in um I don't need clothes or boots or whatever so people I noticed were trading for things like TTC TTC tokens or booze I'm like the booze I kind of like is Bailey's I like it with my coffee so I posted some makeup I posted um someone had given me in a box a brand new canning starter kit like if you're going to make jams and stuff and it sells yeah. for like 50 bucks so it was like brand new in the box if anybody's going to can or make jam go ahead and then um, they're like well what do you like and I said I like coffee I like Bailey's I like uh, coconut oil and so tomorrow is going to be my first bums trading a girl's going to come over I'm going to give her the canning kit and she's going to give me coffee and coconut oil what yeah don't you think this is amazing yeah also very scary please <laughs> be protected just maybe hold a knife and then i had some makeup on there an eyeliner a lip gloss and a blush that were brand new and a girl's gonna trade me for um we agreed on some baileys and i just said ttc tokens because everyone had that up there and i figured that's very practical but i didn't say how many so we're going to meet later this week and we're going to do a trade i'm so addicted oh to bums trading this is so it's very weird to me can you please let me know how it goes i will because i this week i am going to get lots of coffee 
Um, I might go. I'm gonna try and get almond butter from someone. Oh, I feel good like that's call. a good one, right? I've but never I, had almond I had, butter. Really? Yeah, man. Oh, it's my favorite. Is it great? Yeah, I love it. But that's because always... I don't like peanuts. Oh, okay, fair. So, but I've never. Yeah, everyone's always posting about it. I think it's well. It's because I don't like peanuts. But I also felt like I have to say I'm into unopened food. <laughs> yeah, like, for sure. So anyway, I'm just saying that there's this great barter community out there where you don't have to spend money. You also can't make money that, this <laughs> on your stuff. This is how it used to be. This, it, it is how it used this to be. This is how it used to be. And maybe you'll make a friend along the way. People also often post their half-empty bottles of booze. That's because, pretty great. Can you invite me? Yeah, I'm going to invite <laughs> you into this group. Um, Amanda Brooke Perrin has been my co-host this evening. We've still got a couple minutes left on the show. Ed Keenan's going to actually pop in. Ed, of course, is on at 10 p.m. And we'll find out what's coming up on his show. Thanks for tuning in tonight. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. We're taking a quick break. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. We are, uh, actually, we're, we're almost done. Amanda Brooke Perrin has been my guest for the evening. Comedian, actress, I missed cheese one. Lover? Cheese lover? We were just talking about Amanda really <laughs> loves cheese. If you want the way to Amanda's heart, yeah. it's it, through the cheese. It's to send her some cheese. For sure. And mm-hmm. Ed Keenan joins us now. Good evening, Ed. Good evening. I'm what? glad to be here. Uh, it's nice to see you, and it's freezing cold outside. It is. That's why it's real. I'm really glad to be here instead of outside because yes. I was outside on my way here, <laughs> and I'm dreading having to go back Going outside back. on the way out of here. Outside is very overrated. <laughs> <laughs> why do we do it? Yeah, we- as well, especially right now. Yeah, especially this weekend. Okay just sleep here actually the station has lots of amenities (laughs) there's not much food here but oh man did mark leave his whiskey (laughs) we could have made a real good night out of it we could have we could have like had that to warm us up too uh ed what's coming up on your show uh well we're going to talk about a a few different things i wanted to uh make note that it's family day weekend oh that's right also talk a little bit at least about um uh, a couple milestones the flag and then also Mm -hmm. a civic milestone that toronto has recently passed um, that I think is worth worth taking a look at and discussing. And then I want to talk a little bit about this story about the um, foiled mall plot in Halifax. I know. Um, well, my parents are in Halifax. Yeah. And um, I was very curious when they said that there was this plot, like a mass murder plot in a public space. Because at first they didn't say where yeah, it was. Yeah, no, exactly. And my parents work in a public space. Do, so. do they work at the mall? They don't work at the mall, but um, they work at the farmer's market. So when I just heard it was a large public space, I'm like, well, that could very yeah. well Yeah, well, I mean, if, in case anybody's missed it, it was yeah. a huge story last night. And, and I guess uh, we followed it throughout the day, but it doesn't seem to have blown up as big because I... It's something that didn't happen, right? right. It's the, yes. It's the bomb that didn't go off. But uh, two men are under arrest uh, for plotting um, a sort of a mass murder spree, what the police are calling it. Uh, it's some kind of big shooting at a mall in Halifax. Uh, there's another suspect who's been released for lack of evidence but remains under suspicion of being involved in that, and a fourth suspect who was found dead in Halifax uh, yesterday morning. Um, so there are four people, allegedly, uh, three or four people Mm -hmm. um, suspected of being involved in this plot. But what I want to talk a little bit about is that um, the police and uh, our defense minister, Minister 
uh, the uh, public safety minister, Peter McKay, have both sort of gone out of their way to say that it's not a terrorist attack. It's not uh, terrorist. And I want to talk a little bit about um, what that term means. Now, there's a lot of people that I follow on social media who, mm -hmm. as soon as that was announced, were saying, well, it must be white people involved. <laughs> Because, oh, because they can't be terrorists. Because they yeah. can't be terrorists. And I, and I do think there's a knee-jerk response where, where somebody who's Arabic mm -hmm. or, uh, or even you know, has the whiff of foreignness to them yes. or uh, appears at all to be Muslim, has the long beard, yeah. um, when, when they're caught in the commission of a crime, especially something like this, a public right. shooting or a planned public shooting, uh, it's almost automatic that we assume it's terrorism. Um, when, when it's not, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, then maybe not. But I, I wonder if there's more to it because there has been an explanation offered. But I think it gets down to um, the guts of like what 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 we mean when we say terrorism and maybe how that's changed over the last little while. So I want to spend a little bit of time yeah. uh, talking about that. And then if there's time left in the show, and I, I hope there will be, uh, I want to talk a little bit about something I spoke about on the show just around Christmas time. I had written then about the Daily Bread Food Bank mm -hmm. and how big and wonderful and amazing it is, but also how, um, I mean, to be crass, kind of inefficient it is that mm -hmm. we uh, pick up food from all over the city and truck it to a central warehouse and sort it and resort it and then truck that food back out to like local communities where then people are handed a box of food. And there's also the whole thing is that, you know, if you're hungry and poor, you're you're hungry because you're poor, uh, you're still left with a sort of a beggars can't be choosers situation mm -hmm. where maybe you don't like chickpeas, but too bad that's what somebody gave you, right? Yeah. Um, well, I visited, uh, within the last couple of weeks, I went, drove out to Oxford County to Woodstock and visited uh, a food charity there that does things a little bit differently. And so I want to uh, explain that a little bit to my readers. I wrote about it, or to my listeners, sorry. I wrote about it in the Toronto Star mm -hmm. uh, this that. week. And um, and talk about that alternative and whether it's something that we should be uh, looking at seriously for here. Whether it, it seems to people, uh, on on the face of it, to mm -hmm. be a superior system. Uh, and Or at the very least, if it's something that we should be more aggressively testing out here. Um, and the Daily Bread Food Bank, and like you said, you know, they do mm. great work. It's a huge operation. It is. It yeah. requires a lot of people and a lot of money. And even just I've been to their um, facility to, to sort food and it's it it's massive. Yeah, I, I had the experience before Christmas, uh, and the story ran the week before Christmas in the Toronto Star. But I wrote a very big story that I spent weeks working on where I tracked, I followed a single can of food uh, from the donor who bought it at the store um, all the way through the process. I just followed that one can of food and I interviewed everybody who handled it along the way. Wow. And there were more than 14 or 15 people directly who handled that one can, never wow. mind the teams they were a part of and all of that. And of course, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it started, I started in the junction where it was bought mm -hmm. around the corner from my house. Uh, one of my neighbors was the donor. Uh, and then, you know, it, it got trucked out to way out south of Tobacco, where the warehouse is. And then it wound up way back up in Agent Court. Uh, so it moved across the city. It was handled directly by a couple dozen people. Uh, there were many thousands more people indirectly involved. Um, and so, I mean, it is kind of breathtaking in in the size and the, the amount of work that they're able to do. But it's also, it's, a, it's just a really uh, labor and money intensive organization. Mm -hmm. um, a lot 
a lot of resources go into that supporting that particular type of charity that we do. And it's an interesting charity because it's probably the one, it may be the biggest if you measure by the number of people who have been involved in some respect. Like almost everybody has donated a can to the food bank at yes, some point. Yes, and, and they do great marketing and, and yeah. PR, right? So everyone yeah. knows where you can drop off a, um, a can or a box of food at your grocery store, at the fire hall. So I think the awareness is definitely there. And I think, so again, without questioning um, the intentions or the, even the effectiveness mm -hmm. of the people who do that work, because I think it is great. Uh, I wonder having visited this uh, fellow in Woodstock who runs the organization there and have a look at their operation if they haven't found uh, what may be a better way to do something similar. All right. Well, that's coming up on The Ed Keenan Show starting at 10 p.m. Ed, are you doing anything for Family Day? I am. Um, I've been having a family weekend, and maybe I'll talk a bit about that on my show. But tomorrow morning I am going out to uh, with my kids to my cousin's house and her kids and all my other cousins and their kids uh, for a <laughs> – a pancake breakfast. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. It'll be indoors, right? Because it's freezing outside. It'll be outside. in Ajax. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm hoping it's not a backyard party. Maybe I should double check <laughs> You should that. ask, maybe. Barbecued pancakes. Yeah. I think you're the only person I know that's spending time with their families tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, I feel like everyone else is like, day off, yeah. I have all drink. this family that lives in Toronto. So that's, uh, that's where it makes it easier to Amanda? live up to the name and the spirit <laughs> of the holiday. Plans, Amanda? Oh, God. Well, tonight might be scary. And then tomorrow I'll sleep in. Yeah. And then I have a show. Oh, excellent. Mm -hmm. And your show is on Wednesday. Yep. Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. Comedy Bar. And okay. I also host a podcast called We're Doing It with Julia Ladkowitz. So you can find that on iTunes. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. It's thank been you. so much fun. So fun. My co-host, Amanda Brooke Perrin. You can find her on Twitter at Brooke Karen, right? Yeah. Okay. That's it. And uh, you can find and you can stalk her there like I do. And don't forget, Ed <laughs> Keenan is coming up at 10 p.m. Paychan.com is a website if you want to find the podcast or also on iTunes. Stay warm tonight, everyone, and I'll be back next week. 